You're listening to Portland Radio Project on 99.1 FM. And welcome to the inaugural episode of Greater Greater Portland. We're so excited to be here. Uh, I guess to start, we should introduce ourselves. I'm your host, Xavier D. Stickler. And hi there, I'm Bradley Bondi. And I'm Jenna Demmel. So before we do dive into the meat of why we're here, we probably ought to give a bit more background. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Uh, well, I'm currently a student of architecture and urban planning at Portland State University. Besides that, my background is housing, transportation, and all things sustainability advocacy for about eight years or so. Aren't you only 23, dude? I've had a very lonely adulthood. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm kidding. I've had other nerds um, to keep me company. Yeah, uh, nerds like myself. Uh, I've also dabbled in transportation and housing advocacy in the last few years. And uh, I come from a slightly different background. I'm a multimedia journalist who has uh, interned with OPB, produced plenty of podcasts, and um, I've gotten much more into Portland's history these last few years. And uh, I was born and raised here. And for that, you really got to know about some of this stuff just by reading about it or exposure to it, things like that. Absolutely. And I definitely think there's a lot of good reporting out there that exists on Portland and um even better, like expert institutions and policy groups that have done a lot of in-depth analysis in the realms of, you know, livability uh, and development in Portland. Um, at the same time, though, I also feel like a lot of the existing media institutions, especially more corporate ones, uh, have been kind of awful, honestly, at being able to frame the issues that the city is facing in a particularly meaningful way. Yeah, it's been a lot of surface level analysis. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like the discourse, civic discussion, and the news coverage of the core underpinnings of what's going wrong in the city have been very fragmented and not provided anyone with a clear vision forward. Yeah, it's just been getting people angry, honestly. Yeah, and it's become quite clear for a while that the city is angry and dealing with varying degrees of unhappiness, which was basically the impetus for starting this podcast. Because when you're upset about the status quo, you make art or media, in our case. Yeah, to kind of expand on that notion of dissatisfaction, I actually took to Reddit, um, the Portland subreddit specifically, to get ideas for what the audio transition into our show was going to be. Um, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted a sound or a song that was very recognizable to Portland. Um, we ended up going with the cacophony of noises the Max makes when it accelerates, which I was you know already kind of leaning towards as a train nerd, honestly. But uh, the thread was overwhelmed with comments about like meth and tweakers. There was a dozen or so answers along the lines of, you know, like people screaming was the sound that they most associated with Portland. Uh, this is kind of a rather tangential anecdote, but I think it demonstrates just how pervasive and widespread this, uh, the dissatisfaction is. Oh, yeah, you're telling me. Um, I've found that it's impossible to have any conversation related to the city or even to the state of Oregon without a lot of visceral resentment for the current state being included, um, at least on like social media and uh, just what you can look at on your phone. Yeah, it, and it's beginning to really affect the political climate in ways I never thought I would see in my lifetime. Oh, yeah. And while the red wave didn't materialize... Progressives really should be concerned. Um, in this last election, Sonia Fisher, Denoclackamas County, lost to a huge reactionary, and Joanne Hardesty lost in Portland to a conservative. 
Yeah, it's actually really incredible. We now have a complete lack of progressives on city council and what I would say is one of America's most genuinely progressive cities. Um, I think the closest thing we have is really Carmen Rubio, um, who I think is largely like political brand is trying to stay out of controversy as much as possible. Um, no matter how you dice it, Portland City Council is now significantly further to the right um, than most of Portland. Yeah, uh, in the last election, progressives and basically everyone who's really concerned with actually solving root causes of issues seems to have fumbled the ball on communication. And now just the leading narrative is very reactionary. Yeah, that kind of seems to be the theme lately is just reaction and not much actual progress. And there seems to be a substantial change in the city recently. And I don't think that change is being examined as really holistically as it needs to be. Like, just uh, very, like, touching on every aspect, you know. Um, Xavier Bradley, I'm sure you'll probably agree with me on that sentiment. Oh, absolutely. Um, so... I think one of the issues is I think we need to realize we're a big city now, but we're still trying to bring in um, small town personality politics. Uh, those tend to still reign supreme. Um, you'll notice that like a lot of city council races tend to be a judgment of if someone um, is like, you know, if she's too abrasive or I don't like how he comes across. Um, and I think it's important to bring in things like if you have an effective managerial style um, the city is big enough that we have to be moving beyond that. Um, after all, I kind of feel as though Portland used to be on the forefront of um, urban politics, civil discourse, and um, urban planning. Uh, we've just kind of ridden that wave and calcified somewhat. Um, as we'll get into much more in detail on the show, Portland was the leader of freeway revolts, the movement away from cutting through diverse dense neighborhoods to make way for urban freeways. Um, the rejection of the Mount Hood Freeway, uh, which would have run from the eastern tip of the Markham Bridge all the way out to Gresham, gave us the innovation of the MAX light rail system, the first uh, light rail system to be planned in the United States. Even though, yes, San Diego did technically open sooner, I'm going to count us as number one on that. Um, <laughs> I, we deserve number one. We do. Um, we deserve number one. Always. <laughs> But, I mean, it's also cycling. We were once known as very innovative and, uh, to a lesser extent, Oregon as well. We were a leader in making biking convenient and safe for people. But we've basically abandoned that as a political project. Uh, no more people bike today than they did 10 years ago. And that's purely because it's become politically inconvenience to build the infrastructure that makes it safe to ride a bike. Yeah, we, we know what must be done to make it more viable for more people, but it just doesn't seem like the city government is willing to put in the work anymore. Um, and growing up, I just remember this mythos of Portland, this kind of fairy tale, even though a lot of the laurels that we would eventually ended up resting on were unearned to a certain degree. There were elements of truth in that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like the, um, like to a degree, the inclusivity of all sorts of identities and specifically we really love uh, LGBTQ people here and um, certain things like that. But if you dig down even further into Portland's history, 
it was never actually fully inclusive. Uh, racially, socioeconomically, we could go on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think, as you said, um, we were never really as forward thinking as we wanted to think we were. But I remember growing up, I don't know, I just had this very like distinct feeling that the city was immensely pleased with itself. So that basically begs the question that I'm hoping to answer with this show, which is what happened? It's a very large question, and I think it has so many answers, and all of them are deeply necessary to answering it. Um, on that thought, have you guys seen the movie um, Pleasantville? Um, I have not, but um, I know it has Tobey Maguire in it, Reese Witherspoon, and it seems very much like a city kind of stuck in the 50s, maybe? Am I right about that? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, basically, so I'm going to be honest, I haven't seen it in like 10 years, but um, the central like plot of the film is that two people are stuck in like a, a very small town, um, and that town is the like entirety of existence. So geography class consists of like what street intersects with what other street, and why a street like diverts around a tree. Spoiler alert, it's because a tree was there. Um, <laughs> or at least of, that's of, why we... <laughs> Yeah, of course. Like, uh, duh, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just looked it up and Pleasantville came out the year I was born. Oh, how about that? Which I think explains why I have never seen it. <laughs> Braveheart came out the year I was born. <laughs> yeah, I feel like for our older uh, listeners, maybe kind of a, a Mayberry would also be uh, an equivalent analogy. But I kind of feel as though like, the dream like Portland became a Pleasantville right our rise to fame in the 90s all the way up until like the um late 2000s and the early 20 teens you know back when the New York Times was running articles about Portland calling us the sixth borough of New York um that entire arc was basically um Portland thinking itself a Pleasantville um we kind of became a bubble and I believe that there was a narrative that there was something uniquely special about Portland. And because of that, we kind of became this little insular environment that wasn't affected by all the other things that other major American cities were. It's very much the dream of the nineties. Like I just, like there was this, this narrative growing up that we were all like little forest nymphs. Yeah, I <laughs> I think in high school, uh, which was also kind of like when Portlandia came out, I definitely bought into the forest nymph trend. I was also like a choir and theater kid. So yeah, you would wear like fairy wings and be like, I'm weird and cool because I'm weird. But um, yeah, somehow I never went to Oregon Country Fair, but I digress. Um, so actually kind of on that note, guys, how much do we think Portlandia had something to do with this kind of bubble? I can't really say. I've only seen the put a bird on it skit. <laughs> I mean, if you were to sum Portland up in a meme, like the Portland kind of trendy hipster art stuff, that is how you would sum it up. Put a bird on it, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, I think to answer your question, um, Portlandia had a lot to do with it. Um, I think going back to this kind of mythos, uh, Portland rose to fame because there was something unique about it. But then when things started going wrong, I think people also internalized that what the same thing that surely must have brought us to national and international prominence, our uniqueness, is what is causing all of the problems that we're facing, which I just have to disagree with. Um, we are in a national, 
housing shortage. We are in a national opioid epidemic, um, and we are in a global mental health crisis, and a particularly acute one at the state level. Um, I think one of the important things to realize, and this is why I'm going to, you know, hope to carry over into our future episodes, is realizing that the issues Portland is facing is not some is not the direct result of some intrinsic failing in the character of Portland. I still believe that Portland has a great character, and that's why I think positive change is possible. I think we just all need to collectively believe that in order to make it so. Yeah, there's really is reason to be hopeful going forward. Uh, the last couple elections, while pretty bad for progressivism, we have had a few big progressive wins. Uh, for one, charter reform passed by a big margin this last year. And the homeless service measure passed in 2020 in the height of the pandemic, showing that people are willing to put money towards solutions. The new city charter is going to be a very impactful reform. It'll give us a real shot at breaking the stranglehold that the political and economic establishment have on city government. And it'll finally, hopefully, I think necessarily, give us some real representation east of 82nd Avenue, or at least, you know, east of the West Hills. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, fact of the matter is, everyone understands that things aren't going well. And so far, progressives have gotten much of the blame for this. But if progressives are able to step in with a clear agenda and a compelling narrative on how we'll solve the region's problems, then I think we stand a good chance. But what can we do and how do we get there? Uh, what we hope to do with this podcast is fully contextualize the problems facing Portland and really line out that path. To start, infrastructure and housing will both play enormous roles in making our region sustainable. But the technical jargon and the acronyms can be a bit of a barrier to folks not already immersed in that policy space. On that note, we want to bring forward a common conversation. Acknowledge that few aspects and perspectives found in local life and the issues facing us are mutually exclusive, or at least as mutually exclusive as they've been presented to us. To do that, we have to get into the weeds. Um, pun intended there because we really like weed here, but uh, we want to just do that in an easy to understand way. We aim to help to return Portland to what made it such a unique place to begin with, our values of sustainability and equity, but actually fully living up to them this time. Basically, we want to point out that the people in this region, as well as Oregon as a whole, do genuinely believe in progressive values, but we have for a long time failed to truly live up to them. And it's clear that the city still has plenty of heart, but it's been hurting for too long and things really got to change around here. And not just in the Portland proper, but the metro area as a whole, including the suburbs. And that brings us to the name of this podcast. Uh, Xavier, you want to talk about that? Absolutely. So for me, what I really wanted the name of this podcast to reflect is about bringing Portland into a greater era. Um, I actually have a really favorite tweet I'm going to read from a Stone Doggett. And it goes, uh, my oversimplified view of Portland political forces, regress to the average mid-sized U.S. city or rise to the average mid-sized global city. Um, I think he really, really hit the nail on the head with that. Um, and for me, I prefer rising to the mid-sized global city. Um, I want to be a greater Portland. But in order to do that, we also need 
um, the cooperation of all the communities that lie beyond the city proper. Yeah, I mean, once upon a time, it was easy for the suburbs to tune out the craziness, but they're affected by it. Uh, and Portland's affected by them as well. We're one region. Our city boundaries are arbitrary lines on a map that people cross every day without noticing. And the problems of one readily pass those same lines. I mean, an apartment in Beaverton now costs more than in Portland. Solving these challenges is going to require everyone's buy-in. And I'd like to express a similar sentiment in the other direction as well. I feel like Portland has often carried on as if the suburbs don't matter, but its population is only about a third of the region. Uh, the reality is any potential solutions to truly regional issues require cooperation and effort from everyone. You got to have the whole tax base, the entire transportation network, and all the citizens working together. Yeah, I agree. And most of the growth is happening in the suburbs. Um, but because people in the burbs live differently politically and socioeconomically than those of us in the city proper, we seem to think they don't need to be brought into the conversation when actually they do. Exactly. I also think that no one genuinely really wants to live off 185th and Evergreen and Tannisborn because it has that many lanes or it looks like that. I don't think anyone genuinely wants to live in a community that isn't walkable. But I think a lot of people have accepted much of the urban form because that's the way it is, not because they're actually dedicated to it. Portland has kind of gone off the assumption that because they have the resources to move away from that, that they can just go at that alone. But again, we also have to have the realization of what is and isn't sustainable from all the suburbs. And with all that said, we really hope you'll join us for Greater Greater Portland. So, Bradley, Jenna, where can the good people find us? Well, I certainly spend too much time on the internet. You can probably find me there. I'm on the bird site at Bondi underscore Bradley. He means Twitter there. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is very true. You can find me on Twitter at Xavier D. Stickler. At the time of recording, Twitter is still a thing. Uh, Jenna, where can they get more Jenna? You can find me on Insta at um, JKMDEM, J-A-Y-K-A-Y-E-M-D-E-M -E -E for spicy memes and obviously other things pertinent to the subjects in this podcast. And get this, I also have my own radio show where I spin tunes right here on PRP Tuesday nights from 6 to 7 p.m. So check that out if you can because it's a fun time. And I can certainly attest to that. Now, if you'd like to keep up with the show, you can do so on prp.fm, as well as Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also be able to find full-length videos with graphics and slides alongside our episodes on YouTube at the channel Greater Greater Portland. For just $2 a month, you can also help us in our mission of making Portland a better place to live, as well as get access to exclusive written works. And of course, you can listen to us live and in stereo on 99.1 FM, Portland Radio Project, every second and third Sundays at 4 p.m. Thank you for listening. From the Rose City, this has been Greater Greater Portland. Should I be drinking coffee at 7.58 p.m.? Oh, Probably not. Absolutely not, dude. <laughs>
<laughs> but I have a donut too. We're in a national housing shortage. We're in a national opioid shortage. Um, and we're in a certainly national mental opioid health crisis. shortage? Or- <laughs> you might want to run that one back. <laughs> I think we might actually have an overabundance of that one. Thanks for- we, need, we need more opiates. We need more opioids. <laughs> End the shortage now. <laughs> we aim to help return Portland to what made it such a unique place to begin with. Our values of sustainability and equity. Equally. Equally. And Joanne Hardesty lost in Portland to a conservative. (laughs) 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 You can also find me on Twitter. Um, At the time of recording, that is still a thing. Jenna, where can they get more Jenna? Oh, wait, Xavier, you didn't say your handle. Damn it. 